The portion of God's Word that we will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. This is the word of our God. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. If you were poor, what would you consider good news? Did you see the, the news report this last week? It was in multiple outlets. A man in, in Florida called up his local utility companies and asked for a list of people whose bills were past due. Gave him a total and he paid him. Can you imagine if you were struggling that much to make ends meet? that you were passed due on multiple utility bills to the point where you were getting shut-off notices? Can you imagine how good a news that would be that the bill had been paid by some benevolent stranger? It'd be good news, wouldn't it? In our text, you just heard that John the Baptist was in prison and he gave his disciples a task. Now, when you hear the word disciple... Your mind is probably going to Jesus' disciples because that's who we always talk about when we hear the word disciple, right? A disciple is, is a person who follows a teacher, a leader, a philosopher, who listens to what they say and maybe patterns their life after them. Jesus wasn't the only one who had disciples. John the Baptist did too. And so first point of order, just make sure we get our disciples straight. These are the disciples of John the Baptist, being sent by John the Baptist to Jesus to ask him this question. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? It's an interesting question. John is in prison, right? His life could end. He could lay there and rot in prison. The the prospect of him leaving 
getting out of prison probably didn't look very good. And John wants his disciples, the ones who are following him, to know what he was all about, what his job was. His job was not to be the Messiah. He was very clear about that. John said, I am not the Messiah. John's job was to prepare people for the Messiah. And so John wants his disciples to go and hear for themselves whether or not Jesus is actually the one. Take a listen to this this account of John speaking to the crowds in in John chapter 1. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Does that sound like a man who's doubting? Does that sound like a man who's uncertain as to whether or not Jesus was actually the Christ? It doesn't, right? The Holy Spirit himself said, the one on whom you see me descend like a dove, that's the one, that's the Messiah. John saw it and he testified. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, the Son of God. And yet, remember, John's a human, right? Do you think it's possible that as he sits in prison, not knowing whether his life is about to end, not knowing whether or not he's ever going to get out of prison, do you think that maybe as he sits there and has nothing to do but think, do you think maybe the, the thought crossed through his mind, I, I, I did point to the right one, right? I mean, that was my whole job, was, was to point to the Christ, I. I pointed to the right person, right? I I hope so. Do you think maybe he doubted once? Certainly possible. Have you ever walked out of church just feeling great? You had all the reminders you needed. You you were shown your sin and you were shown your Savior. You went home all enthused. And then the next day you started having doubts again? It happens. We're sinful human beings. I, I would not at all be surprised if John actually was questioning and wanting to know, wanting that assurance. But of course, he also wants his disciples to be sure. They may not be his disciples anymore, and there's someone else who they could follow. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he used to be a disciple of John the Baptist, and now he had left following John and was following Jesus, but there's still this group of guys hanging around to see if maybe John will get out of prison, and maybe this is John's way of saying, it's okay, (laughs) You don't have to follow me. I'm not the Christ anyway. Go follow him. And they go, and what does Jesus say? He says, well, go tell John what you hear with your ears and what you see with your eyes. And then he gives them this laundry list of things that he has been doing that you heard about in the prophecy from Isaiah. What's John saying? Or what's Jesus saying to relay to John? Well, I'm doing what the prophet said would happen. 
So, go tell John what you hear and what you see. Tell him that I am exactly who Isaiah prophesied. I'm the one he was to point forward to. But you know what's interesting? As you look at that list of miracles that Jesus lays out, they ascend in importance. Not that any one miracle is no big deal or not important, but they get more and more important as you go through the list. If you'd like, open up your worship folder again to page 8 and just follow through verse 5. So first miracle that Jesus points to, he says the blind receive sight. And I can only imagine how difficult that would be. If you're blind, that's hard to go through life. But a blind person can hear. And so from a spiritual perspective, a blind person has no problem listening to the promises of God, listening to the Old Testament prophecies, and hearing them fulfilled in in Jesus. Next miracle is, is even more amazing, more impressive, the lame walk. It's not that it's not incredible that Jesus is opening the eyes of the blind. It is. But for the observer... You don't really see any change. The person can't see, now they can. Maybe you see their facial expression change. They're excited. It's obvious they can see. But with the lame, someone who's crippled from the legs down, maybe the legs were were deformed. We have the one account of of the man with the shriveled hand, and Jesus says, stretch it out. And before their very eyes, the, the ligaments, the sinew, the muscles change. The hand straightens out. That would have been amazing to see. To see the actual flesh change and become strong. Same thing with legs. To see that happen would have been an amazing thing. Next miracle. Those who have leprosy are cured. Leprosy was the disease that sent you outside of the city. It isolated you from society. When Jesus healed someone from leprosy, he not only cured them of their infectious skin disease, he gave them their life back. He sent them back into society, back to their families, back to their jobs. This was a huge, huge deal. The deaf hear. I hinted at it with the blind. The deaf could not hear God's word. If someone loved them enough, had cared for them enough to teach them to read, and had access to a scroll, perhaps Isaiah's scroll, They could learn God's word by reading it, right? But we know for a fact that in ancient times, not a lot of effort was put into teaching people who were deaf. What a wonderful thing for Jesus to open their ears so that they could hear the word of God. Resurrections. The dead are raised. Those who mourn. The the, the greatest effect of sin in the world, death itself, who mourn the loss of a loved one to rejoice at their life? Wow! But it's this last one. That's the biggest deal of them all. The good news is preached to the poor. The introduction might have seemed a little random, but it was here to set us up for this very point. I asked you a specific question and I worded it a specific way. I said, if you were poor, what would you consider to be good news? I asked it in a way that assumes you're not poor. But but if you were. The Bible says the opposite. The Bible says you, 
you are poor. God in his word makes it absolutely clear that you are as poor as poor could be. Your sinful nature would like to convince you that there is good in you, that there is value in you, that there are qualities in you that make you special, unique. God's word destroys all those beliefs. God's word shows you that there is nothing good in you nor in me, only sin. God's word shows you that there is nothing of value in you, nothing of value in me. It actually tells us that we are worthless without value. God's word says, no, you are not unique. You are not special. The world is not blessed to have you. You are merely uniquely sinful. Each of us struggling with our own pet sins. The law God's word reveals to us reality. It shows us that we are infinitely poor. That we have absolutely nothing to offer to the God who has everything. This is what John the Baptist came to preach. He came to preach repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You have nothing to offer the king of kings and lord of lords. It's this message making us aware of our spiritual poverty, that we are spiritually broke. As Martin Luther said at his deathbed, we are beggars. This is true. It's this realization worked in us by the word of God itself, telling us that we are spiritually broke that is absolutely essential for your Christmas preparation. Do you believe it? Do you believe what God's word says about you? Do you believe that you have nothing to offer God, that you are spiritually broke? You must if you're going to be prepared for Christmas. It's this message of God's law that shows us how poor we are that prepares us to hear Christmas gospel. That the God who owns everything, (laughs) think about that, the richest of the rich, they're always updating the world's richest list, right? The richest of the rich, billions and billions of dollars, the the wealth of small nations in the coffers of one individual. The richest of the rich have the tiniest fraction of all there is in the universe. They can buy the yachts and the mansions, but they only have a little bit of wealth. God is infinitely wealthy. All things belong to him. The God who has everything, who is infinitely rich, Gave it all up. Every single penny of his worth, he gave it all up and was born, the poorest of the poor, born in a barn with not a cent to his name. God, who is infinitely wealthy, became infinitely poor to save the poor to save those who are spiritually broke, who have nothing to offer him. He came to show love to you, to show love to me, to win forgiveness with his innocent life, to offer himself as a sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of the world's sin 
so that he could offer you what? His own inheritance. So that the one who has all things could offer you eternal mansions. You are heirs of God. You are sons and daughters of the king. He doesn't love you because you're good, because you have value, or because you're unique. He just loves you. Spiritually broke though you are, he loves you anyway. Even though you have nothing to offer him, he loves you anyway. This is grace. He came to win peace for you. What a blessing. Good news is preached to the poor. John the Baptist and his disciples wanted confidence. They wanted comfort. It only comes from one place, from the word of God. The world would have you think that if you had just a little more wealth this Christmas season, then you'd be better prepared. You, you could buy a few more gifts and you could decorate a few more ways that you'd like and you could maybe take that trip that you've been hoping to take. If you had just a little more wealth, then you'd be ready for Christmas. The Bible says the opposite. It says you're broke and you need to be reminded of it. That's how you prepare for Christmas. To celebrate the coming of the Messiah. The infinitely wealthy God who became poor to rescue you. Listen to Jesus' words as you continue your Christmas preparations. Good news is preached to the poor. You are prepared. Amen.